Jasmine. And I am God. And this is The Last Day Old Supper. Okay, uh, we are reviewing episode five. It's a Matt, 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 Matt world. I think what you mean is it's a Matt, 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 Matt world. I'm God, so whatever I say goes. Clearly. I hope you don't throw me off your balcony here in a second. Uh, I could, and it would be completely... This episode was insane. Yeah, I'm still like, I'm like, is this real? Is this real life? I'm like David at the dentist. <laughs> I There's a thousand things that happened in this episode. We have to start at the beginning. We okay. have to start at the beginning. All right, so Matt decides that um, Kevin needs to be, well, he always said it, but that Kevin needs to be in Miracle. On the seventh anniversary. For the departure. Of the departure. And they go into the explosion that they showed at the end of episode four, and w- which ties into the music in the beginning, which wasn't music. It was more Russian scripture, I believe. I mean, I don't know. Oh, French. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't quite understand. It was very, very low. It was foreign language for sure. It sounded French. And then we see a man on a submarine completely disrobe. And then somehow take hold of the... Um, both keys. Both keys for the submarine. I think he had to disrobe because of the acrobatics involved in yeah. using his leg and his hand to turn a key, which was very impressive. Yeah, I never actually considered that. Uh, that that's something you would have to do. Yeah, because if they're right next to each other, anybody could just... With two keys. Exactly. So he And you could tell he even like thought for a second. Like he prepared to stretch and everything. This... Yeah. So that was the explosion, and they didn't say why, and I don't. We think don't. They, we don't even know what exploded. Well, they showed a missile in the sky. I think right. They had a missile on the ship, and right there was a go. missile on the ship. But yeah. where did it go? What did it blow up? We don't know. Yeah. We just know that something was detonated from a submarine. Yeah. And I don't think we'll and ever it know why. Like whatever the image was was a, was a mushroom cloud. So it's it probably made, a warhead, it some type of nuclear, possibly device. nuclear. They're also like warheads now that are. Um, considered like pre-nuclear or post-nuclear right. so they don't actually use old nuclear technology but are very deadly uh, as well so yeah. yeah so that's something that is happening in the world that but that's a completely aside that's just that's just that's just one thing yeah you would think that's the craziest part of the episode but so Matt um uses his religious ties to consider his flight essential because non-essential flights are grounded and convinces a guy to fly them to Melbourne. But on a no, cargo on plane. On a cargo plane. To, to 17-hour flight. Yeah, which, uh, for, doing, for food for mission work and stuff like that. Right. But then Melbourne won't let them land. They didn't care. They said, no, we're not letting a flight in even though they're technically, I guess, allowed on paper. But Melbourne said no. Yeah. So then they landed in Tasmania, and they had to take the craziest ship, which I'm sure that that stuff is true. Yeah, the, I mean Tasmania. No, I'm at the Fraser thing on the boat. Oh, I don't. Even I don't know think if that's that was made real... up. Because it the... sounds like a real cult. Like it could, it's a cult that could exist. Because at the end there was a song about Fraser during the credits. So I don't know if they would. I mean, I'm not saying they wouldn't do it. I just don't think they did. I think that this is a real thing. So they try to get on a 12-hour boat ride from Tasmania to Melbourne because Kevin is very determined. Uh, 
Matt is very determined to see Kevin. Um, and he brings John and Michael and Lori, which he keeps calling Laurie. Well, I think that's just because Christopher Eccleston's uh, accent is coming out. Okay. Um, he's he's not paying very good attention to his accent. He's an excellent actor, but there was a moment where he talked about Tasmania, and he's supposed to have an American accent, but he calls it Tasmania, and that's yeah how they would pronounce it there. Every time he said Lori, he said Larry, like, like like the the seasonings L A W R Y, like Lowry seasonings. Exactly. And it was throwing me for a second. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I knew her name, but he didn't want her to go. Um, but she, you know, said she understands Kevin's crazy. And her going, tell me if you agree with me on this, the entire, not the entire episode, but most of the episode was the battle between religious belief and, you know, I guess science, because she was talking about mental health. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely... Um... That's definitely the crux of this episode, um, is whether or not God is real, Mm -hmm. and whether or not science can explain everything. Um, So that was definitely uh, the the primary conversation that was happening. Um, Another conversation that was happening was, does faith matter? Because... So, you know, this whole season has been about faith and how dangerous it is in the hands of people who are certain of their faith. So we get on this giant boat filled with people who worship a lion. Yeah, it was just an orgy boat. Right. It's it's a cult and they worship a lion. And that very, harkens very much to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. uh, a community just uh, swallowed whole by... Uh, idolatry towards a golden calf Mm -hmm. uh, a golden lion is not far from that Uh, so there's this group of people they're certain of their faith in this lion they know that their faith is ridiculous and frivolous and they don't care yes they're just you know into it almost like Right. It's like going to like, a party well, for a religion you don't believe in. Exactly. It's like, well, the attitude is kind of like, well, we have to believe in something, so we might as well believe in this. Yeah, it's kind of like the flying spaghetti monster thing. where Exactly, but much more militant. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm just ba- I'm just going very basic with like, oh, I believe in this, and that's just more of a take on mocking religion than the spaghetti and, monster. But... And their certainty and their devotion to nothingness mm-hmm. and nihilism is so intense that they allow this man who claims to be God onto their boat, even though that sort of uh, disenfranchises their own faith in uh, Fraser the Lion. Well, I don't think they let him on the boat. Well, they, they knew he was on the boat because he was friends with the... Like, they just kind of dealt with him. Well, the captain didn't seem to really want him on the boat either. Well, this, I mean, that maybe he could have guy, just convinced This them. guy just gets yeah. on the boat. Right. This guy just gets on the boat. But they could have pulled rank and said he couldn't have got on the boat. So they allow this guy to be on the boat. He claims to be God. He murders someone. No one cares because they're in every position of coitus. Yeah, this was, um, what was that? Um, 
Kubrick's last movie. Oh, Eyes Wide Shut? Yeah, there was a lot of Eyes Wide Shut scenes. A lot of Eyes Wide Shut scenes. And it was just background stuff. But but one thing that we skipped that I need to go over, because it's very important to me. Okay. Is when they made Matt tell a perverted joke. Yes. And he made a joke that he probably heard people say because he is a preacher. And he actually made a molestation joke. Being a priest. Yeah. Just to prove he's dirty because he had to tell a dirty joke to get on the boat because they wanted because it was pretty much just pretty much an orgy and he was begging for a ride and the girl just wanted to have fun with him she didn't know he was a preacher obviously and said tell me the dirtiest joke and then Larry tried to tell some joke about a panda that I need to see if that's a real thing but I gasped when he told the joke about the pimple and the priest that was that needs to be mentioned because it was very important yeah. Not to the story, but I just love that a preacher, the preacher had to tell that joke. It was a pretty dirty joke. Yeah. I was just very surprised. To, and he just did it because he felt he needed to. So he Matt's se- definitely a character who will do whatever he needs to do to get to his goal. But he still won't lie because when she asked if that was true, when he was t- trying to get on the boat, he was stretching the truth with the lady with the clipboard. Mm-hmm. And then she said, is that true? And he didn't answer. Right. And then that's when Michael said, no, that's not true. Because he, for some reason, is trying, like, everything to not lie. But he'll scream, god damn. Yeah. So, but was that after he talked to the guy? Um. No, that was before. Yeah, that was before. Matt has, because, so, so there's this one part where Mary says that she thinks that the New Testament's getting a little old for Matt. And I think that's very true. Matt's definitely following a new faith, and that faith is entirely derived in Kevin. But Because he's living it versus reading it. Yeah, that's so, the only reason it's more real. Right, because it's, you know, whether what Kevin's going through is scripture or conjecture, which pretty much the whole point of the show, he's saying scripture, and, not, and he wants to be the one to document it. He wants the book of Kevin to be written by Matt. Yeah. Very badly to the point that he'll defend... Whenever someone brings up the book in jest, he defends that book. Yeah. It's like, this is based on real things. Kevin has said this. This has happened. So he loves his religion, but he loves the idea that he's... He feels he's literally writing a chapter on it. And I guess in his perfect world, Kevin's in Miracle, and Miracle is saved again on the seven-year anniversary and just makes the book better, but also he's still alive. Yeah, I mean, but all points, all signs point to apocalypse at this point. All point, all signs point to them wanting you to think it is the apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. I have. I. I mean, when we first saw the boat, like we try like hell not to talk to each other during this episode, during any episode. When but this we see epi- a lion being carted onto yeah. a boat, and I'm like, oh fuck, we're doing some Noah's Ark bullshit. Yeah, I thought the same thing. We we actually just looked at each other. We didn't say. It. We said a few things in the beginning, but nothing. We realized that we wanted to save it, so we kind of stopped saving it for the podcast. But there was so much going on, and so oh, so there was a guy in the boat that they let on that was telling everybody. Well, he told everyone he was God in the past, right? And he was kind and of over was kind it, of spreading throughout the boat by different people. Yeah, and he was so over even talking about it that whenever anyone, I'm guessing whenever because he did it for Matt, it was Matt said, "You think you're God?" And just handed him like a frequently asked questions card. About his backstory and all this, and of course Matt flipped out because it's blasphemous, and that's 
that's a huge sin if you're if you're someone who's very into religion blasphemy is a big one and he was not happy about that yeah and then I guess the most important thing happens so Matt sees the guy get thrown overboard right he tries by, to by, raise, by the guy called God right by the guy called God who is really named David yes so David throws a guy overboard another scripture name Yes, and and Matt tries to call him out on it, tries to get something done, nothing gets done. So instead, Matt takes a hammer, clocks him in the head, puts him in a wheelchair, ties him to a wheelchair. Of course it's a wheelchair, too. Right. Just the whole Matt and his, and his wife, Mary. And yeah, just, exactly. I mean, once he pulled the wheelchair out, and honestly, at first I thought, oh, he locked in him about a bed and he's going to sleep in a wheelchair. I didn't think he was going for... Oh, I knew he was going to I honestly didn't. Shit. I didn't... I saw, I saw the crazy in his eyes. Um, so he goes and he brings David, mm-hmm. a.k.a. God, down to wherever the lion is being stored... And starts grilling him about whether or not he's God. And Matt is so far fucking down the rabbit hole at this point that there's a second where Matt thinks it's fucking real. It's more than a second. At first, he's mad at David God for being blasphemous. And the way that David's answering him is, I guess, the way most people would consider like a religious answer. Like, I'm not giving you a yes or a no, believe in me, faith. You know, blind faith, etc. Right. But then he kind of just talks to David slash God as if he's almost like a religious therapist and just dumps his whole, I've devoted my entire life to you. When I was a kid, I was sick, which I don't, I think that's the first time they brought up he was sick when he was a kid. It's also the first time they brought up he was sick at all, right? Right. This is the first time. Yeah, with the bloody nose and the pills. Yeah, and we don't even know what he's sick with. Right, but it, when he's when he's pouring his heart out to who he thought was David, but in this point he definitely feels as God, he just starts saying, when I was a kid I was sick and I prayed and then you made me better. And that's pretty much the whole reason he went into religion. He doesn't say that word for word. But, right, but we realize that. Right, he, that his faith is based on, I asked God to help me because I was sick. I'm assuming terminally, not just I have a cold, thanks God. Um, that he was really sick and God made him better and then he devoted his entire life and every single thing he does to God and religion and he's sick again and he feels like it's a test and when he starts believing that David is God he flat out asks him to make him better Mm -hmm. and the guy that he thought was once crazy he's now untying from the wheelchair right and there's which I thought he was going to get clocked yeah I thought I thought David slash God was going to kill Matt I think we were supposed to think that though the the way this episode was presented and written this episode was really good I know I love the show as a whole but this episode was just I had a lot of jaw drops yeah there was a lot of shocking moments a lot of moments that were filled with religious symbolism yeah but what stood out most for me is the very end and what happens is the captain approaches matt says hey they found a body sounds like you were telling the truth essentially can you give a police report do you have time for that and matt surprisingly says yeah he suddenly he's not in a hurry to go anywhere yeah and they 
they cut to everyone coming off of the boat. And earlier, a young woman had said, hey, don't get off the boat because we're about to do something because this shit's fucked. Yeah, because there were a couple people on the boat who were quote-unquote part of the Fraser orgies, but they were they kind of had a feeling it was bullshit, and they almost high school prank steal the mascot kind of Right, that's thing. kind of... And but, so, but definitely with more ill intent than an evil. Right, stealer. their plan was to unleash the lion on the worshippers. Right, but as David slash Guy is being apprehended by the police, the lion is set free, jumps on him, makes a kills, beeline just for yeah, David. Yeah, makes God. a beeline straight for God, mm-hmm. which is very. I mean, there are so many scenes in the Bible where one man takes on a lion, yeah. and this is a moment where lion takes down the man. And it's such an important scene because in the Bible, it is always a man ordained by God who can take on a lion and right. survive. But this lion definitely wins. Yeah. The lion goes straight for his throat. Yeah, there's no way he survived that. He died. Yeah, absolutely. He, he definitely died. And also, the lion died. They shoot right, off they, Yeah, guns, we hear the gunshots. And you hear a, a, a wail. Yeah. A short wail. Right. And it's the dying of the lion. And then after that, we cut... To Matt. to Matt and he's just standing there and I think Matt is realizing that God isn't real he definitely seemed to have a loss of faith because I think right after the line got shot he said what's the plan what, he had a line at the end like what's next or he, what said, he said that's the guy I was telling you about oh yeah and he had like a smirk on his face yeah like it doesn't even matter to him which brings me to a particular book that I read when I was in college, so when I was a student at Texas State, I was studying literature, and one of the authors I chose to study there was Salman Rushdie, who is known for being an atheist author at one point, and according to Samuel, he still has a fatwa on his head. Uh, he lived in hiding for over a decade. Oh, wow. Um, after, uh, after Atollah Khamenei uh, issued a fatwa and said that he was an enemy to Islam um, because he had written a book called The Satanic Verses. And in the book The Satanic Verses, there's one character who is born of Hindu descent and another character who is born of Muslim descent. Okay. Uh, and the character born of Muslim descent uh, is named Jibril. Uh, and Jibril is a famous Bollywood star who pretends to be Hindu in order to get by in Indian society. Oh, okay. And so he's a Bollywood star, and he's known for playing different deities in Bollywood movies that depict portions of like the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, So he always played a religious character. So he always played a religious character. He's almost synonymous with different gods in Indian culture. And one day he becomes very ill and is hospitalized. And in the hospital he's praying and praying for God to please save him because didn't he not represent God on earth in so many ways. Oh, so he felt like he was owed? He felt like he was owed to be saved by God because he had dedicated his Being whole a God life to speak for God. And so he was in the hospital, and day after day he only got worse until a day came that he was certain and his doctors were certain that he would die. And he 
quietly entered into prayer for the last time and prayed so hard that God would hear him. And in the book, Salman Rushdie writes, he felt nothing, nothing, nothing together. The two words, nothing. And he said it was like picking up a phone and hearing the sound of a disconnected telephone. Oh, wow. And he realized that there was no God. And when he realized there was no God, his body healed itself. Because finally, he was able to be himself and not be God. And he could finally rely on himself for the salvation that he needed and not a God that wasn't there. And being of Muslim faith, Jibreel, as soon as he recovered, left the hospital and went straight to the only American hotel uh, that was in Bombay and uh, ate an entire buffet uh, tin full of bacon. Oh, shit, he couldn't eat? Wow. Yeah. And do you think do you think that that this is paralleling that in the point that Matt might be no longer be sick? Matt is, I think, experiencing what Jabril experienced, where Matt had dedicated his life to God, expected God to have his back, and has realized through this series of events that God isn't real, and in fact, the notion of God is uh, ridiculous. But if you if you renounce your faith, and then like like I'm not a religious person, neither of us are. We've mentioned that many times. But um, if I believed in God, and I was praying, 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 and then I finally stopped praying and was better, there's no part in them that thinks that God finally responded. Like, I suppose that's one way you could look at that. And I think Rushdie wrote that scene knowing that because. Rushdie has always been very much about the seed of doubt. Right. And as an atheist, living with the seed of doubt. And so I think that's definitely part of the fiction. But I read it as Jibreel realizing there is no God and that there is no God. And there are other things that happen in the book that indicate God is not real. And if God is real... God has nothing to do with us, which is another part of this show because the man pretending to be God said, I had nothing to do with the Holocaust. Right. I've had nothing to do with Crusades. But he did have to do... Right, but if God was real, the departure. God did have to deal with those things. And then this guy claims that he had something to do with the departure. So... And then he said, because I can, was the only reason he gave Matt for, you know, if you're playing along with this guy and you're believing him as being God... He said the only reason he did the departure is because he can. But isn't that the only reason God would do anything? Uh, oh, I mean, God. anything God does, is assuming it is a God, is because he or she can. But that doesn't mean that's the reason behind it. That's just the fact. That's just the well, way it can be done. something so large as God, is reason something that would exist for such a being? Uh, I have no... That's real heavy. I really don't know It's a answer. big question. It is. But this series is attempting to answer that question. I don't think they're attempting to an- answer it. I think they're attempting to have people like us discuss it. That's fair. Especially this episode. This episode... Like, anybody who watches this show was either talking to each other if they're watching with someone else during, like we wanted to do and we tried to hold back, or afterwards... 
talking about it. Like like when you see a good movie, like usually an indie movie because they don't care about special effects and all that, you know. But when you see a movie with a great story, like I remember I used to go to the movies and go to dinner afterwards if I knew it was a good enough movie because I'd want to talk about the script after I saw the movie. But a lot of movies nowadays just eat first and then go. Yeah. And then just, you know, it's not that you won't enjoy it, but, like, if, you know, we, we saw this not in the theaters, but, um, I don't know, we saw, did we see Arrival in the theater? No. Yeah, we didn't, we, we saw Arrival at home, but, like, that would have been a movie where I would have wanted to discuss it after. We did. But mm-hmm. I mean, like, back in the day, it would have been, you go to a restaurant. Yeah. At least what I do with my friends. Yeah, no, I completely get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like... The movie, and then you and your friends hash out the movie that you just right. saw. Yeah, movie, then dinner, instead of dinner and movie. Exactly. And so this show is definitely more about asking questions than it is about answering them. In fact, we'll f- fucking never know what blew up, probably, from that explosion. We, we might know what blew up, but I don't think we'll ever know why yeah. this Frenchman did it. Right, this French guy on a submarine. There, there was a line in this episode, I, I really wish I remembered it now, especially because I'm bringing it up. Where it seemed like they were kind of mocking, like taking the piss out of people who want to know answers to the end. Mm-hmm. There was, I can't remember it specifically, there was a direct line where they were kind of just saying not everything is going to be answered or you, you're not going to know yeah. the answer to everything. But they, think, they poke fun at that a lot. In this. I think Matt's character really indicates that too. Matt's a character that before the events of this episode wanted an answer to everything. And I think something else he's realizing is that he's just definitely not going to get one. Also, the um, how crazy was the scene with Matt where he said Fraser, and they tried to milk him, essentially. Yeah, they tried to milk his dick. Uh, and he flipped out. Yeah, like, um, what the fuck? <laughs> I think I think they they were just trying to emphasize like. Cults do crazy shit. Yeah, I mean, faith is dangerous in the hands of the certain. And so that is what this season is all about. And just drove that even further by depicting how ridiculous religion can get. And also, another popular quote amongst atheists is that atheists just believe in one less God. Because... Yeah, Gervais says that a lot. Yeah, Ricky Gervais says that a lot. It's common among atheists. And so this is another depiction of literal, literally anyone but the people who are in that cult would look at that cult and say, wow, those people are crazy to believe in that. Mm-hmm. And yet that same person will turn around and go to church on Sunday and, yeah. just, be, and just be like, oh yeah, def- God had a son, his name was Jesus, he died and was resurrected again and now we eat his body and blood at church. <laughs> It's totally normal, right? But Danny God said that it wasn't his son because he became God after all that stuff happened. Exactly. But one one thing that I used to, people really got sick of me saying this, but if somebody was religious, like let's say they were Catholic, and then they were making fun of how crazy Scientologists are because it's very socially acceptable to just mock Scientology. I, I agree it's nuts, but so is Catholicism, so is... Every religion has their craziness. The, just the fact that, um, just the fact that it was a more recent thing, and some people are still alive now that were alive during it. They can say no. That gi- that gives 
people who are religious but not Scientologists more credence in saying it's not real. Yeah. There was act. There was a joke. Um, I think it was a Daniel Tosh joke actually, where he's talking about um, uh, if my grandfather can say, "Oh yeah, that didn't happen. It's not a religion," just showing like how recent it was. Yeah. It was kind of a dig on Scientology, but a dig on Scientology all you want. But at the same time, any if you look at any religious story, it's I've always said it's they're meant to be more stories to make you a better person and not. Um, not a book to live your life by. Yeah. I mean, the concepts in most religious texts are several thousand years old and were written before the advent of most science. Um, So, pretty much everything in there is superstition um, written by people who lived in a very ignorant world that we can't possibly imagine. I, and I think if people, uh, like, I know, I've, I've been to church. I was raised Catholic before I was able to make my own decisions. Same. And um, if you just took the part of church, like a reading from John to the Corinthians or whatever the case may be, and you just listen to that and then, you know, at least where I went, and then the priest would go, what John was doing was this, 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 so if you become this, you'd be a better person. And if someone just took that part of at least Catholicism and just went, oh, that's an inspiring story and not these people killed this man, we need to respond to this, 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 and just looked at them as like ways to be better people. I think religion wouldn't really, there'd be no wars over it, and it would just be more insightful writing. Possibly, but there are so many parts of the major religious texts out there, the Quran, the Bible, uh, all the letters to the Corinthians were written by Paul, by the way. Right. John didn't write any letters right. to anybody. Shows how little I remember. Uh, but, yeah. So, I mean, Paul is responsible for a really good section of the New Testament. He's also responsible for a section of the New Testament that issues condemnation to gay people, prostitutes, women who can read... You know, pretty much anybody. So if you read even those parts of the New Testament... Yeah, it was also they, pro-slavery, too. Yeah, if you read any parts of those those sections of the New Testament with seriousness, you'll still end up being a shitty person. So religion is worth very little, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I just always looked at it as if they just used the stories for, like, inspiration to be a better person and not taken literally. Not all of them, of course, but... I'm saying, like, there could be some good to it, but all of that gets overshadowed by Sure, I mean, yeah, I mean, if we look at the book of Matthew, which is often referred to as the book of love, you can't really go wrong with the book of Matthew. It's all about, like, hey, love thy neighbor. It, it's, you know, directly quoting Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus of Nazareth was probably a really cool person. I don't think he was divine, but... He would have had a man bun if he was here now, though. Very true. <laughs> Very true. In fact, he probably sported a man bun at some point just because it was really hot. Jesus had man buns before they were cool. Yeah. In many ways, he was like the original hipster. Um, <laughs> Wearing sandals. This, uh, <laughs> exactly. I think there's a shirt that says Jesus was the original hipster. I'm pretty sure. We'll, we'll buy them and we'll wear them he next week. was. The beard, the hair. We'll be wearing them during the entire podcast. The lack of week. showers. Everything. <laughs> um... But yeah, I mean, Jesus of Nazareth sounded like a cool guy. Probably wasn't divine. 
And if we followed only what he said, uh, hoping that none of what he said to actual people was ridiculous, and some of it probably was because he claimed that he rose a dude from the dead. Yeah. But, you know, he had some good ideas. Uh, Maybe he just meant like that stoner. I thought you were dead, man. Like he didn't mean like <laughs> he was literally a dead person. <laughs> Uh, barring that, uh, right. We only have three more episodes, and then the show is gone forever. Forever. Um, no Kevin and no Nora. Just mentioned, not seen. Yeah, we don't see them. But we Matt didn't need doesn't to. even know where Nora is. Matt didn't even care. Doesn't even care. Lowry brought up Laura and Matt did and Nora and Matt did not care. He's like Nora, like as if he didn't even know that she was in Melbourne, and it didn't affect him at all. His own sister. He just didn't even. Bl- he didn't even ask a follow up. Yeah. He just doesn't care. But the 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 writing is proven again how amazing it is because the quote unquote stars of the show were nowhere to be seen, and this was one of their best episodes. Yeah. Just because so much stuff is going on, and we only have three more. Um, it seems like they landed in Melbourne, so mm-hmm. there's going to be some reuniting. Hopefully, we find out what happened with Kevin, Kevin Sr., and the lady who wants to kill all the Kevins in the world. Yeah. Um, I think Matt's probably going to die. Oh. Yeah, I think Matt's going to die. I think Kevin Jr. and Kevin Sr. are probably going to die. Um, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna go and say there's a good chance everybody might die. And and that's that I think that's the way to end this type of show. It doesn't mean like every show or every movie, everyone's gotta be killed off, but when you're doing a show about departure and at least talk of an apocalypse within days, people will die. People are gonna die just because they think the apocalypse is happening. Right, which like might have been be why a... the French guy was even doing that speculation, but Right. That's purely speculation. Yeah, but... yeah. Yeah, like, people think the apocalypse is going to happen. So, that by itself creates a huge concern. Even if it's a perfectly normal day on the 7th anniversary, uh, there will be some crazy people who are going to drink some Kool-Aid. Like, yeah. like people are going to die. There'll be end-of-the-world parties, like in Cloverfield. It'll be crazy. Yeah. All right, so this has been episode five, and we will be with you for episode six next week. Yep, thanks for listening.